This is Nate Hansen. And Tim Ritter. We are Almost Heretical. You can find us online at almostheretical.com. All right, welcome to Almost Heretical. We're back. It's uh, been a, a week off, but we are back. And we want to talk about something hugely important this week. We often talk about power on this show. We talked about power as it um, relates to like, politics. We talk about power as it relates to racist ideas. And we traced it through um, through that topic. And there's another topic we want to talk about as well, which is gender, gender roles, and the church, and, and the way the Bible is used. And Paul specifically is used in talking about gender roles. And we think this is hugely important because the, the way this topic is talked about, there's a lot of like oppression that, that goes on. And I, I do think it's kind of weird, Tim, for uh, two dudes to be talking about this. And, and, and so we know that, we know that's kind of like, that's, that's weird, but we do want to have other voices on. We want to have women on and, and, and hear their perspective. And, and in fact, one of the key books we want to talk about and kind of unpack the ideas from in this series we're going to be doing is by Cynthia Long Westfall and her book called Paul and Gender. And so it's, it's, uh, it's what we try to do on this show, which is, I think, like for people who are egalitarian, which that basically means equal rights for both genders, um, specifically in the church when people talk about that, um, and in the family. Women can be pastors, women can be elders, women can be whatever men can be. So when we talk about that, I think a lot of people listening to our show are already there. They're already nodding their heads. They're like, amen, preach. But, but often we think, but the Bible's not with us on that, right? Like the Bible is kind of like old school, patriarchy, that whole thing. And there's definitely that in the Bible. But we often say like, Paul's not on our team. So we need to like kind of move past Paul and move on to just where we want to go. Um, and so I think we have some like really, really good news because I think there's scholarship now and people have been digging into this for, for a while. And Cynthia Long Westfall is, is one of these people um, to, to show that like, we don't have to ditch the Bible here. We don't have to necessarily ditch Paul here, that this might actually be the thing that really unlocks this and might be our biggest supporter in this whole thing. Yeah, so this episode's just a brief introduction to an upcoming series we're going to do. And if you want to do some of your own homework, highly recommend that you go out and get uh, Westfall's book. It's on Amazon or a whole bunch of other places. Paul and Gender Reclaiming the Apostles' Vision for Men and Women in Christ. We'll uh, be referencing her work a lot, as well as some other scholars. Uh, I reached out, asked her maybe sort of begged her to come on the podcast. So hopefully you hear from her in person soon. Uh, We haven't heard back yet. We'll put the link to the book in the show notes. So we spent the past couple months mostly having conversations related to race and racism and racist ideas and the connection with Christianity. I think we need to say up front that racism and sexism have always been intertwined in the United States. We'll get into that in some more detail later and hopefully have some uh, some guests to uh, flesh that out a little bit more. Uh, but there was basically never racism that wasn't at the same time interacting with, with sexism. In, in essence, there's never been a differentiation over race or, or class that hasn't also been intertwined with differentiation over gender and, and social status related to gender. And in essence, those are just two ways that power has played out historically, universally throughout human history. There are basically multiple ways that people have construed of the human family that have elevated different people 
to different positions of status over other people. So we'll get into this when we get into some of the passages in the New Testament, but the slave and the master, emperor and those who are ruled by the emperor, parents, children, husbands, wives, men, women, Hmm. these are all ways of constructing power relationships or they're ways of constructing a, a social expectation about status and control and basically a hierarchy, who is in charge of who. Uh, and what we'll see is basically there are some really strong similarities in our modern culture uh, with the Greco-Roman culture of the New Testament in terms of who is at the bottom of the ladder, who is at the top of the ladder. But then there are also some some aspects of that whole social status hierarchy that are completely different and foreign to us. Uh, and so we'll sort of dig in there and... and try to flesh things out. But big picture is anytime we're talking about people in any way that might accept or construe some sort of social hierarchy or social ladder where different people are on different playing fields, we are in essence talking about power. Mm -hmm. That is what is at the very core of this. Who gets power? Who doesn't get power? Who is allowed to have power? Who's not supposed to have power? Who must have power and must use that power over others and who can't get power? And so historically, when you look at gender, this is all summed up in the term patriarchy, or more recently we use the term sexism. Men are established as those who have power, and women are those who have to submit or be under the dominion of men. That's just a human construct, but what you and I have a bone to pick is that the church, especially in the last 1,500 years of the Western church, has made it appear that Paul and even Jesus is affirming that social hierarchy of male over female. And that's where we want to kind of go to battle. Yeah. And I mean, this is like, this is our story too. Like this, this journey is like our story as well. Like we're not, we're not above this. Like we used to think this, we used to believe this, we used to teach this. Like we come from complementarian world where, um, the the men are at the top and the women are right below that and sure you would never talk about it that way but although like i remember <laughs> in bible college days and that kind of stuff like the jokes and the like and, and no pushback at all whatsoever to those jokes um just hearing that around the school and um, when you have 90 percent of the people at the school are men and so the way the women are treated and, and that kind of stuff like this is a very this is very real and so anyways like our our thoughts on this um started to change i think just like with social critique like from the from the city from the um community like from people outside the church the the world those worldly ideas started to started to really um carry some weight and really got us to think about like this topic and what we think and put pressure, I think on our ideas because our ideas weren't working in the world. And we talk about that a lot. Like (laughs) our ideas, if our ideas aren't working in the world, if our ideas aren't good news to the world, then what's, what's the point of these ideas? Why are we holding on to these ideas? And a lot of times we would say it's because that's what the Bible says and we have to believe it. And, um, and so that's, what's so like liberating and cool about understanding the Bible differently and having like real scholarship, maybe some of the best scholarship saying something completely different than what we thought. Um, it actually gives a lot of the, it shifts the power over to the side, um, 
of the oppressed and the side of the marginalized. Um, and in this case, the side of the women and those who stand with um, their rights. And so that's what we're so excited about here. Yeah. And so like you said, Nate, it it is awkward and potentially really problematic for two white men to grab a microphone and have a podcast and talk about gender and specifically talk about sexism, patriarchy, uh, without women representing uh, a voice here. And literally that's one of the main critiques of the traditional complementarian interpretation of much of the New Testament is that it's largely because women have been omitted from Bible interpretation in the Western church and interpretation has been dominated entirely by men, that you end up with interpretations that just so happen to position men at the top of the totem pole, right? So basically women weren't in the in the room and a bunch of guys were sitting around thinking, what is this, what is First Timothy, Second Timothy, what does that mean? And of course they, they uh, assumed it meant this because there were no other voices in the room saying otherwise. I mean, literally, you guys are probably familiar with the ESV Bible translation, but Every contributor, translator, for that Bible translation was a man. Every single member of the oversight committee was a man. And every single review scholar that worked on the translation was a man. Literally, they did not have one single woman involved in any part of the translation or oversight process. And surprise, the ESV is an explicitly, overtly, intentionally complementarian interpretation of passages. So so you can find passages in Genesis 3 all the way through into the New Testament that are specifically changing the English wording from other English translations to make it appear to readers who don't know the Greek or Hebrew that the only way to interpret these passages is that essentially God has ordained men to be in positions of power over women. Of course, that is not coincidental to the fact that it was only men who were allowed to make those decisions. So the reason I bring that up as an example, it's not simply to point out that we've got a lot of work to do, but it's to say that if if you and I, Nate, are going to sit down and have these conversations in a public platform, much of what our responsibility is, is not only to elevate women's voices and prioritize women's interpretations. And of course, there's a variety in that. Women aren't a monolith, right? Um, but it's also for you and I to do this in a way that's that's confessional in the sense of you, you and I have both come from the world where we were in positions of authority and had privileges and power uh, that our wives weren't able to have, that all the women around us weren't able to have. Yeah. And you and I were complicit in that system for some time. And so this has to also be our confession and sharing how we've gotten free, just like when Jonathan mm. Wilson Hartcove talks about how he got free of slaveholder religion and essentially tells his story. Some of this will just be our story of how we've gotten free. And now what I would say is Westfall's book, and it just came out literally a year and a half ago, has set a new bar in biblical studies and scholarship that really changes the game and has changed the game and honestly adds so much more academic weight to the voice of so many women who have been crying out uh, basically for justice and representation and liberation. Uh, She's basically now given them the Bible as a tool, uh, given us the Bible as a tool to undo the same kind of toxic theology that we had perpetuated for so long. All right, so that's what we're going to do. This is the intro. 
Um, come back for the series where we talk about this stuff and we give the Bible back to you. If uh, you already think these things, if you already think that women are equal and we need their voices in the church and we need them leading churches and leading denominations and all that, like then this hopefully will give the Bible back to you and you don't have to move past the Bible, um, but you'll actually have that as a tool to use in this defense and in this movement. Um, and if you're not there and you are um, where we're talking about that we've come from and that, that world that we know very well. First of all, we understand where you're coming from and we hope that you'll come along on this journey and with an open mind, be in a position to potentially have your heart and your mind changed. And um, yeah, we're really excited about this. And if this triggered any thoughts, questions, or even just like thinking ahead of what this series is going to be about, you have some like things to say, or yeah, you know, someone we should talk to, send us an email, contact at almostheretical.com. We'd love to hear from you. Anything else to say, Tim? No. But for once, I'm feeling kind of optimistic. Yeah, I'm, I, I feel kind of optimistic too. <laughs> just, I just won't get on Twitter tonight, I guess. <laughs> All right, we'll see you next week. Peace. Oh, yeah, and one more thing. Uh, especially to our women listeners, we would love to hear your stories, the good, bad, and the ugly of expectations around gender in the church or even kind of broader Christian culture, what you were allowed to do or weren't allowed to do, or even how that language allowed to do makes you feel. We would just love to know where you're at and uh, and would love to hear your story and possibly share your story in future episodes. So what's the, should they email us or? or sh- they can still, yeah, just email us. Yeah, contact at almostheretical.com and you just kind of share what, what you want to say um, and we might get in touch and try to get like an audio recording or something like that. But yeah, just email us contact at almost heretical.com. Did I say it enough? I think I just said it three or four times. So if you don't know the email now, it's not my fault. You just got yourself three nickels. <laughs> all right. All right. Now we'll see you next week. You have to say peace again. Peace again. Peace <laughs> again.